Look at us. For the Brian May Bros and Brews podcast. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Brian Caves, a.k.a. Bros and Brews. I, in my head, this is just about an everyday occurrence. Not everyday occurrence. I actually enjoy my job, but this is an everyday occurrence where I tell myself, Hey, self, just tell him you quit. Just tell him you're done. Just tell him I'm out of here. I, again, I enjoy my job. If I quit my job, I have no other job prospects. And that would be very detrimental to the life of my family in which I bring in all of the income. <laughs> but I, I, I envision it. I have these ideas in my head of how I could do it. So, Brian... Paint us a picture because you did something pretty big on Monday. Paint us a picture. Did you have like a, a I quit cake? Did you perform like a, a musical number? What was your I quit moment like? Did you go in and you said, F you, F you, F you, you're cool, and F you, I'm out. What, how, how did it work? Paint us a picture, spin us a yarn, tell us a tale. Um, I wish I could tell you that there was this really super exciting, um, you know, moment or that I, uh, you know, there's an old country song, um, all my exes live in Texas. Uh, no, but that's a good one. Um, there's a song called take this job and shove it. Mm. Um, and you know, I'd love to say, you know, that I like learned it on a, on guitar and went in and, you know, started playing or just, you know, queued it up on my phone and just started playing it to my boss. Um, it was as simple as I was actually working from home that day because I had some other things going on in the afternoon. Um, so I, I am my boss and was like, Hey, I need to talk to you. Um, and she was like, okay, call me. So I called my boss and said, Hey, I'm uh, putting in my two weeks. Uh, we're, we're moving out of state. And that was that, um, within an hour of me saying that they had an announcement out to our department that I was leaving <laughs> and they had sent me my, like, uh, termination paperwork so and then you uh, by a couple hours later your box of things was on your doorstep and uh, you heard it right. ticking and you were like oh god i'm not opening that <laughs> you're right and then i did and it was uh nothing it was an alarm clock that oh, i had on my desk but yeah that was uh, that's a total confusion that i could see happening yeah no, they they didn't do that. They, I think they want to get a little little more work out of me over the next two weeks, since you know they are going to pay me yeah. um, for eight more days. So you know they want to get uh, get their their money's worth while they can. But uh, no, it's you know it's it's a job I you know I've talked about a little bit that I've I wasn't in love with. It wasn't um, wasn't a good fit for me. I guess I'll say to put it um, politically. Um, and so I was, I was excited. It's also just what it means to, you know, we're taking a risk, right? Like we're moving across the country as of right now, I don't have a job, um, after next Friday. Now I've had some interviews. I've had some interviews that I feel like I, excuse me, that I feel like I really nailed went really well. So, you know, I've got some prospects out there, but, um, you know, I'm taking a risk, right? I'm, I'm kind of, uh, taking a leap of faith, so to speak. And, couldn't do it without you know people um encouraging me and supporting me and believing in me like you and um most importantly obviously my wife who obviously has the biggest um 
financial stake in <laughs> not being uh not being employed uh for a little bit but um her like you know faith in me and belief in me and confidence in me that um you know and also just the fact that you know we've been lucky um financially right we've we've done well we've not had any huge major incidents um we've saved money we've made some sacrifices of things we wanted or wanted to do for the opportunity to do something like this. So um, yeah, it's really, really exciting, kind of terrifying. Um, Cause like I said, I'm, I'm on a tightrope with uh, not much of a net <laughs> under me, but um, it's, it's an exciting thing. Like we're really, really excited. I have a million things to do because we've also signed a we last week since we recorded, we signed a lease on an apartment in uh, in yeah. Charlotte, North Carolina. So it's it's pretty well official. Um, we're definitely going. Uh, be there on the tenth of May. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. It's it's something. It's definitely crazy, and I appreciate you giving me even a sliver of any sort of uh, kudos in this move because. I, I know it, it, it's a you and Alyssa decision and it's a big decision to make. And I'll just leave you with a little nugget is that uh, Amy and I, or more specifically, I, we have in the past been more prone to making rash decisions where to you. And I understand we've talked about this offline where the fear of not, the fear of not having a job is not as strong as the, the pain you feel working in your current job. Right. Right. So that's what you said in the past. And I, and that's kind of motivated you. You have a much stronger threshold than I do, Bryant, because I probably with, you know, a wife and three kids and stuff, I would have been like, this place sucks. I'm getting out of here much (laughs) earlier. So the fact that uh, you've kept the job this long, is just kind of a testament to your, um, what do you call it? Fortitude, intestinal fortitude. Ooh, intestinal able... fortitude. Oh, you like phrase. that? I like yeah, that. That's, one. that's from the attitude era. That was the it attitude a era. Little, a little Jim Ross there. Yeah. Uh, so your uh, intestinal fortitude has really gotten you folks to a place where you say it's a big risk, but I think the bigger risk is companies that you're interviewing with not hiring you. Well, thank and you. And one company is going to be lucky enough um, to find out to find out what is. And then for the next job, once you get down there, you have some stability. You can start looking around more and work on a much better way to quit your job because that was the most boring story about quitting a job that I think I've ever heard. The next, next time I'm showing up drunk. Hey, there you go. (laughs) You're working from home. I thought you were allowed to drink at home. That's the rules, right? You're allowed to drink at home when you're working. as As long as I'm not on camera, what do they know? All right. That's why there's an audio podcast. All right, folks. Well, uh, let's go ahead. And, let's go and get started. We have a lot to talk about tonight. Um, what do you What do you mean? Nothing has happened in the last, <laughs> you know, twenty four hours. No, no, not at all. Well, uh, let's just let's just get into it. Let's just get it started. Welcome, boys and girls, to Brighton Me. We're a podcast where we talk about soccer and other things, other podcasty things. So, Bright, this week, it has been the longest week ever 
and it's we're recording this Tuesday at 828. Um, this has been for many different reasons, reasons in which we are going to go into detail tonight. We're going to start off with today. We're going to start off with Tuesday, maybe a little context from a couple days ago. Uh, we're going to describe a, a few big things that happened, some good, some bad, some really good, some really bad. So it's going to kind of be warning everybody now, tonight is going to be kind of a roller coaster of emotion it's going to be kind of a lot of ups and a lot of downs but that's that's life that's and life that's that's why the two of us have this podcast to talk through that stuff and hopefully for you it, you can't talk to us because we're recording right now and there's only the two of us in here and that'd be weird if somebody popped in and knew what we were talking about uh, but we hope if you want you know bring this into conversation off the podcast let us know what you think because we want to be part of you know your lives and you're part of our lives and we love you all. So that's our disclaimer. It's not really a disclaimer. It's more of a, a, a love claimer because we love you all. You like that? And, and we're not dissing you. No, no, we're not. We, we don't do diss tracks. Once you move to Carolina, I have a diss track plan. But until then, we do not diss one another. So, um, we're, so what you're telling me is we're not working on our two rash challenges uh, diss track? Um, I thought our entire existence has been a two rash challenges diss track and we haven't even really done it by saying things about them. We've just done it by having such a better podcast than them that they're Mm -hmm. always striving. And it means a lot for us to say that we have a better anything than anybody else. I think that tells you more about um, our nemesis, our nemesis two rash challenges than it does nemesis? about our podcast. Nemesis? Yeah, what, what, what is the plural of nemesis? Um, I, I, I'm not sure, but let's go. We're, we're after we talk about today's current events, we're going to kind of go back in time and we're going to walk you through the cruise Sunday matchup in their MLS regular season home opener in the final match or final beginning match in historic cruise stadium history, something like that. We'll also talk about a little bit of Chicago red stars and the NWSL. but Brian, let me paint you a picture. Let's jump back into that time machine mm. on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, some news broke, some news broke about something called a super league. Ooh. So in this Super League, I don't know if you heard about it. Have you heard about it? Super League. Um, I've heard of the Super. I've heard of the Super Friends. Same, similar. This is kind of like the Super Friends. If all the Super Friends were as rich as Bruce Wayne, and none of them had superpowers to help people, so it's okay. pretty, pretty, pretty similar. Uh, the Super League is a, a group of twelve different football clubs over in Europe, consisting of some of the biggest names. In European football, names like Barcelona. (laughs) Hey, we're going to get there. We we should have played this joke out. Teams like Barcelona and uh, uh, Real Madrid and Liverpool and Man City and Man United and uh, Chelsea. And we have Juventus. We had AC Milan. Teams from three different countries were coming together and they said, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put together our own Super League that will play midweek. We're not going to mess up the domestic table. We're not going to mess up the Champions League. We're just going to play our matches in this Super League. And then um, they invited Tottenham. And then the world exploded. And then the world exploded. Brian, can you kind of share some of the 
the backlash that you've seen or, or yeah, let's do backlash first and then we'll share our own thoughts. So people have to listen to the backlash before they hear what we think about it. Cause we have slightly different views. I've, I mean, really, I don't know that I saw much of anything positive. Um, I'm pretty sure pretty much everything I saw was backlash, whether it was, um, you know, fans from uh, the teams that were in the Super League. Um, you know, there was plenty of backlash from those fans, a ton of backlash from um, fans of other teams, from uh, pundits. You know, Sky Sports had a lot of, had a lot to say about it. A lot of um, American uh, pundits that cover soccer had a lot to say about it. Obviously, uh, UEFA had their <laughs> had plenty of opinions about it. I believe the chairman of UEFA referred to. Uh, uh, the was it was it uh, Florentino Perez from Barcelona as a snake? Yeah, yeah calling him <laughs> a bunch of snakes and all this stuff. Which which we tweeted out. Uh, we filed that under takes one to no one. Let's right. just throw pot, that <laughs> pot meat kettle. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean there was I like I said I don't recall really seeing much of anything positive. The closest things to positive I saw where there were fans of some teams that were saying, look, I don't think this should exist, but mm-hmm. uh, if, if it, if it's got to exist, I'm glad we're in it. Um, I've seen yeah. that take from some people. Um, um, that's been the big consensus that I've seen too. And you talk about American pundits, just one quick um, sidebar down a cul-de-sac. We'll get back on the road in a moment. Um, one person, and, and this is how you know you might not be on the right side of it, is that Alexi Lawless. We, can, we can't say his name two more times. If we say it two more times, he'll show up in our, in our mentions. He's going to sh- pop up on the podcast, and I don't need any of that in my life right now but he We're hard um, enough to listen to <laughs> right if we had alexi on our show oh lord how much worse would that be um so we uh yeah he even was like well if it's if it's what the market wants and he, he sounded really really like he was running for a conservative office that's what it sounded like he, he was really going on capitalism he was going on that sort of thing um but no yeah he uh that was the one soccer pundit that I saw in the U S of a, that was more towing the line and trying to say things that doesn't come back and hurt him. If the super league um, does exist, but well, Bryant, that was Sunday. A lot happened in a, in a couple days. Um, actually, before, before we get to the eventual death of the super league, because it didn't last very long. I think, I think Kim Kardashian has had, longer marriages than um who was it chris humphreys uh, chris humphreys yeah i think your chris humphreys marriage lasted longer than the super league which is funny because when i used to run marathon races and stuff a lot of signs out there were like hey you're running longer than kim kardashian was married uh, it was a really quick life for the super league but before we get to that we talked about kind of the response it got a lot of supporters angry from, like you said, the Super League teams and then the non-Super League teams especially. I think it really gave some of at least the American hipster fans who have been saying stuff bad about big money teams for a long time, it gave them a lot of firepower. It oh, was sure. like they looked at each other and they're like, this is our time. <laughs> this, this, is, this is when we can shine. And they kind of ran. They ran with it pretty hard. And honestly, I – we're both supporters of these super league teams. I am a Liverpool supporter. We haven't talked about these teams for a while. You're a Tottenham supporter. Uh, Although this season, we're not sure which one 
is is more is more pathetic <laughs> but it's uh i asked a question to you and our pal brian elijah who we went to the Concacaf champions league match with last thursday great time it was awesome hanging out with elijah for a little bit um i asked both of you at the beginning at the onset sunday night i was like serious question are the two of you going to stop supporting your teams because he's a Chelsea supporter and you're Tottenham and I'm Liverpool so we're a bunch of super league bandwagoners whatever you want to call us sure I'm sure that's what we've been called behind our backs um we've been called I'm worse sure. to our fronts but oh yeah yeah um I asked you both are you going to stick with your team though throughout this and what w- what was your response um I mean I said ultimately yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still gonna stick with the team. I mean, I hate, I hate what they did. I mean, I, I don't like that we were gonna be a part of it. I don't like that we were a team that was, you know, depending on who you believe and what you read, you know, may have been a part of kind of organizing it. You know, there were some teams that were kind of seen as the organizers, and some teams that were kind of, yeah. hey, we don't want to get left on left behind, so to speak. Um, you know, my understanding was was Tottenham and Chelsea were two of the teams that were kind of, hey, we don't want to get left behind. Let's jump on because they're letting us come on board. Um, Liverpool, on the other hand, was potentially one of the teams that helped organize ooh, it. Ooh, ooh, um, it was the, <laughs> the supposed teams, the especially the teams with American owners. Um, but yeah, I mean, I ultimately said, look, if it, it would kind of be hypocritical of me to this point, say, you know what? I, su- I support a club that's big. Like, I understand I support a club that's big. Their, their goal, their business, their goal is to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like for me, it's kind of hypocritical to say, well, now that they're, again, doing something they're going to do to make money. And for me to say, I want you to spend money and I want you to bring in these talented top tier players and keep these top tier players. And, you know, I, I want you to re-sign Harry Kane. I don't want you to sell Harry Kane this summer for $150 million or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hypocritical of me to want that and then not want them to um, not at least understand why they're making a decision to do something that puts them in position to do that. Now, you know, cause I, I think you can kind of tell I fall into that camp of, I wish it didn't exist. I wish it didn't have to happen, but if it's going to happen, okay. I'm glad we're a part of it. Yeah. Dude, it, I, I was kind of in a whirlwind for the two days, just looking at the soccering things. I found out when I was covering the crew match. I was at my first crew match actually in the media area, sitting there typing, writing the recap at the match, press conference, all that stuff. It was during the match that it broke. And so on like the conversation in the media area, we all started talking about the Super League, you know, whenever we had the right. opportunity. I think this is before halftime. I, I I thought immediately about the bands that was the thing that came up the most to me was that they were going to ban these teams from any uefa right. any domestic leagues any champions league and then there was um, i thought okay well what about the women's game and they had one sentence i think it was right. 30 some words in the press release is that pretty much to sum it up um at some point we'll have a women's one too <laughs> they're pretty but it was just an afterthought i think of they course. put the sentence in because they're already gonna they already know people are gonna be pissed off they had to have known how pissed off people were gonna get uh, i don't know but 
actually they didn't do any did they do any like these are multi-billion dollar hundreds of millions of dollars billions of dollars going to these teams can you like what did you do any focus groups yeah did you do any testing of the market did you talk to anybody did you as a you know the teams didn't know (laughs) well the players didn't know you know didn't know (laughs) you had Klopp didn't know you know you had um other players get asked about it who which first of all it shouldn't be the players or the coaches getting asked about it they're not the ones making the decision um you know john henry or Mm. you know daniel levy or you know whomever i thought you were gonna say his name i was gonna say he has a very small stake in the company and it probably wasn't his decision and don't say his name oh don't don't say it wasn't no he had nothing to do with it (laughs) oh well look at the liverpool papers online because they put him in headlines of saying that it's did. John Henry and LeBron James as if LeBron James is making the big decisions when he has, I calculated his value of the team compared to the total value of the team. It's around 3%. Thomas, I, I, I want to let you in a little secret. I know you may be shocked to know this, but the media tends to like to scapegoat uh, famous black men for things. Uh, and in this case, famous American black men, because yes. Liverpool wants to say this is America's problem. Look at these American right. well, bastards was, who are doing this. Well, it was you know if you, if you believe the the rumors, it was Cronky who owns the who owns mm-hmm. Arsenal, who is a well known scumbag. Obviously, he's the one that moved the Rams out of St. Louis. Um, it was the Glazers who own Man United, and it was you know FSG John Henry who owns mm-hmm. Liverpool, um, worth the at least in England the big the big players behind it. Um, but yeah, I mean it's just I think the owners are that out of touch. I really do. I think um, they're billionaires. They're people who don't um, you know it's not like when they're going to the matches they're sitting amongst the the fans or they're, you know, going out on the concourse before the match or during the match to talk to the fans or the they're ticket holders. They're Anthony Precourts, right. except they have a lot more money. Yeah, no, they make, they laugh at Anthony Precourt. Um, <laughs> you have a trust fund. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> which we all should laugh at Anthony Precourt to be fair, but that's very fair. But no, I, I think this legitimately, because if you read the reports, they weren't ready for the backlash. Um, you know, so many of them, uh, what changed their mind, you know, if you, you know, kind of the, you know, I know we're going to get into the, the can't the kind of downfall of it later, but if you read the reports, you know, with Abramovich was kind of the Chelsea was the first one to kind of say, uh, at least the reports were coming out and Abramovich was shocked. He was like, I had no idea that, you know, this was going to be this hated this much of a backlash. I thought, wait, wait, hold on. So you're saying out, so you're saying that rich billionaire owners are out of touch with how the everyday person lives their life i yeah no i know tell this to somebody brian we need to get this to the media because this is breaking news uh to quote one of my favorite uh avid brothers songs call the smithsonian i've made a discovery life ain't (laughs) life ain't forever and lunch isn't free (laughs) um but no, it's, you know, I, I legitimately, you know, you couldn't speak to, you know, I, I don't, I don't know the makeup of other clubs, but Tottenham has a supporters trust whose entire goal is to be the go between, between the fans and ownership. Mm-hmm. That's their entire, they, you know, there's, they're supposed to be there to stick up for the fans interests, to negotiate with ownership, to improve the fan experience. They're kind of the voice for the, the average fan, mostly the season ticket holder type fans, but generally speaking, the voice for the fans. I don't know 
about other uh, clubs, you know, if they have something similar, I would imagine most of them probably do. Right. Um, could they not have consulted with, with them at least like ask your, you, you know, your, the folks that re- are supposed to represent your fans. Like how could you make this decision not knowing that there was going to be some kind of, you know, you look at politics, right? You know, you and I both follow politics. We pay attention to politics. Literally any decision that a candidate makes or says or any statement they release is run through 15 focus groups and eight different consultants before they do anything. How could the these billion, multi-billion dollar organizations not think before they just decide because we're supposed to respect their ambition that's what that's the famous pre-court line is respect our ambition they're supposed to think well you're going to support your team no matter what and that's what they think that's what they well since they buy kits since they do this and that like something that we're not going to get into it that uh before we get into that part i do want to share just the mentality of fans overseas i think that they fight a lot more and this is taking Save the Crew out of it because I know, and you know, Bryant, we've talked about this earlier today, the crew were saved and all that great stuff. There was a lot of work that went into it. Um, I'm sure everyone's heard all about it. If you're listening to us, you know you've heard about it. <laughs> if you're listening to us, you're, um, you've already scraped the bottom of the barrel. So um, it's just fans over there, they fight ticket prices hard. They fight things right. hard and they – they pay less for their like i could buy a ticket in the cop for less than i could get an mls ticket in the same area yeah like i could it it depends on the team and all that stuff but still the same idea applies they fight a lot more than we do on these things but in the early sunday and monday we were tweeting out stuff from our account saying and this is what I thought when I saw it at first, I was like, Oh, the super league's going to happen pretty soon after it was okay. This is just a negotiation tactic. Yeah. I had, they had such a bad response. I just knew that it was okay. They're just trying to get leverage. They're trying to get leverage for negotiation because their idea is that UEFA makes so much money. Right. And during this pandemic, their margins are already set at a certain point. Cause they play with fire. They're selling, they're buying, they're well, depending you, on ticket sales. Once they lost that and they still had to spend the money and they were, weren't getting as much in back and right. bonuses, they weren't getting much uh, as much back outside of TV contracts, which stay the same, right? Because TV's TV. That's why they went forward and played matches throughout the COVID-19 pandemic and still playing. They, they saw it as, okay, UEFA is making a ton of money from us. If we start our own league where it's all the best teams playing together – we don't have to have UEFA's cap on it because that's what they're fighting. They're trying to fight the cap. They're trying to make more money off of UEFA. The fact that UEFA and FIFA, <laughs> for some people, were the good guys or people were aligning with UEFA. Oh, yeah, they're going to be banned. They're going to ruin the domestic sport. I just want to really quick share my kind of philosophy on it. I, yeah, This sounds very centrist. And it sounds very down the middle. And I've had this conversation with you and Elijah via text, and I've talked to people about it off of the internet and stuff. This was like we, you mentioned earlier, it's, we want them to spend money. We want them to update stadiums. We want them to keep ticket prices down. We want them to do this and that with their money. But when they do this with their money, we're like, no, I don't want you to do that with your money. I don't want you to make this. They're business people. They're trying to make more money. And is that a good thing? No, that's not a good thing. 
But the fallacy in the argument came up where people are responding, teams are responding, you're going to ruin the domestic leagues, you're going to ruin the Champions League, you're going to ruin all this stuff. Whenever they came out and they said, hey, we're, we're keeping the domestic leagues, we're keeping the Champions League, we're still going to compete in these different things. We want a midweek tournament or a midweek league where we just play other big teams and it brings us extra revenue and it helps us pad our pocketbooks and all that stuff. I feel like UEFA and FIFA had much better talking points that aligned with what the supporters wanted. And it came out that, you know, like, oh man, yeah, we're, we're going to ban them. And supporters were like, yeah, you're ruining the league. You're not going to be in the domestic games anymore. And you're going to mess this up when they intended to stay in it. At least that's from their press release, which they're now calling just a proposal. They're not joining us. Now it's, they had a proposal for a league. Doesn't mean they were going to do it. Um, I, I thought that we were all just being pawns. I thought that they were just using the supporters, helping push the narrative. The UEFA and FIFA had millions of people fighting their fight, millions of people doing the work for them. And then once the teams come back, all the supporters can now think, oh my gosh, look what I did. Right. I did this. And that brings them back into the team. That brings them back into the fold. We've seen Chelsea fans come back because spoiler we, alert the the league died the proposal we, died we i believe the chant outside of uh, stamford bridge was we saved football we saved football right uh, so now they're going to go back and they're going to buy more jerseys they're going to buy more kits and the cycle is going to keep continuing we are and i said this or i yeah i said it on twitter i tweeted this way we are enablers we've yeah, enabled okay. this behavior forever and now that the fans won the teams back it's just going to be able to allow them to do whatever they want. I think it's going to, outside of, you know, forming a super league or something, we're going to go back to buying kits. We're going to go back doing the same thing and nothing's going to change. I'll tell you when I knew it was bullshit, when I knew the whole thing was, a, was a tactic was when the rumors started coming out about um, teams, a being banned from the, you know, the premier league, right. Is considering banning the team, banning those top six teams, those, uh, teams from from you know competing in, un, in Premier League matches, and then players weren't going to be able to compete for national teams, right? UEFA was going to ban players from competing for national teams. So, first of all, if you're the Premier League, because we're you know you and I mostly watch Premier League, right? We don't really watch much La Liga or or Syria, especially not Syria. Yeah, um, and, and France and Italy, by the way, France and Italy or France and Germany, excuse me, they both abstained from this whole Super League thing. So anyway, continue in case for, you are listening to us and you're not a soccer fan and you listen out of sympathy, which I totally get. That's probably one of the only reasons you listen to us. Um, also, they abstained for now. For I've, Yeah, they abstained currently. <laughs> right. um, you know, had this gone down the road, we'll see. Um, money talks, bullshit walks. But you're going to tell me that if you're the Premier League, who, you know, eventually you're going to renegotiate a contract with, um, with obviously, you know, I, I think it's Sky Sports that carries the most of the Premier League matches domestically in England. With NBC, you know, there are rumors that ESPN wants to get involved with Premier League or Fox or whomever in the States. And yeah. uh, some of these, you know, giant markets, you know, they're trying to expand into Asia. They're trying to expand some of these other giant global markets. You're going to tell me that you're going to take your top six draws, the teams that most of the people are tuning in to watch. Let's be honest. Most people are not turning in, tuning in near as much to watch, you know, Burnley versus Fulham on a Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. They want to see 
Tottenham. They want to see Liverpool. They want to see Man United. They want to see City. They want to see Chelsea. You know, they and they want to see the stars. They want to see in America. Unfortunately, it's Christian Pulisic. They want to see, you know, Mo Salah. They want to see Harry Kane. They want to yeah. see these big names, right? So you're you as the Premier League are going to cut your nose off despite your face. Mm-hmm. Um, you think these? You think you're going to get more money for your TV contract when you get rid of all of your biggest draws? You think you know ESPN is going to pay you billions again for people to tune in to see Everton versus you know Brighton? Yeah. Um, you know, no. I mean, it's and, and you think you're going to you know, these players are going to turn down an opportunity to play for their national teams. Like you're going to try and keep players from playing with the, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, how many national team captains would have probably gone to were on one of those teams that was potentially breaking off again. It's, it was, it was a ploy is yeah. what it, it, what it, and I think you and I kind of said that like Monday, like this was a this was a ploy. This is a negotiating tactic. They never, I don't know that they ever fully intended to do this. Part of their other problem is they hired possibly the worst messenger public face for this that they could have. Right, right. Um, oh, tell me about some of the things that they said. Uh, matches are too long. Young people don't like uh, the length of the matches. I saw a funny response from someone in America was introducing to baseball. <laughs> right. They're gonna love the length. I love Shit. the length of soccer matches. Shit. Two hours later, I know it's over. Shit, watch an NFL game. You're, oh, right, yeah, you, yeah. You you're on a sun a Sunday afternoon watching an NFL game. You better have four hours. Yeah, at least um, yeah. With all the commercial breaks and, oh and everything else, I mean penalties replays like you better have at least three at least three and a half hours yeah sit and watch an nfl game so no i mean the length of the game's not a problem they they picked a really bad public face a really bad messenger um in you know uh perez is that his name i'm, I'm trying to think uh, his I, name. I i saw the stuff that he said but it the was, guy from yeah. from uh, barcelona yeah um You've got these, you know, these teams that are drowning in debt. This was a, a ploy to try and get a little more money out of UEFA. Not yet. You know, something's really bad, by the way, when we're rooting for UEFA. Remember the folks in FIFA? Remember yeah. the folks that brought you the uh, 2022 uh, World Cup in, in freaking Qatar? In Which I'm still De- not even on board with in, in caring about it. USA qualify or not. I And even then, like, We've talked about in this spot before. I have not watched a U.S. men's soccer match in, in a long time. A by, long by the way, the, the people that were wringing their hands over uh, all this stuff with the Super League, you're going to watch the World Cup in two years? Right. No, they're were going there, to. And it, were, that's were there, just what we said. It's enabling. Where they're yeah. literally using slave labor. People are dying to build these you know, arenas and stadiums and such. Like, But you're going to... look the other way. Man City supporters, look the other way. Who cares what your your company like? And I will give them all the credit in the world. I I write a lot about women's soccer, right? And we've talked about this on the pod before. Man City has put a lot of money into their women's side. They've invested in it in England, like them, Chelsea, and Arsenal. And I'll even put Man United in there. They sure. are like the beacon of let's actually invest in our women's sides. Let's invest in our teams. Let's bring names over. How they signed Abby Dahlkemper, Sam Mewis, Rose Lavelle. They they have pretty much the entire England national team on on Man City. But it's easy to look away from that whenever it's right. whenever it's things that they're doing in their home country. 
or saying, oh, that's cultural or the oil money that's behind the scenes or that sort of thing. That's that's a lame excuse that and we've we've gone back and forth to this, I think, with Eric from Two Rest Challenges. We joke around about their podcast and how ours is better, even though not joking ours is. But we talk about how Newcastle was going to go through a sale sale and how the big team shot it down. And he brought about the morals of it. Oh, are you not going to watch Qatar in 2022? I'm probably not, but that doesn't mean most supporters aren't because most supporters, again, you, you look the other way. And then all of a sudden this came up and everyone's like, oh no, this is ruining the integrity of the game. The integrity of the game was gone a long time ago. This, this game has been a money game. The Premier League, the Premier League started in the 90s because the big teams wanted to have a bigger cut. Yeah. They, they pretty much cut the FA out of it. And they said, hey, okay, we're going to still be in the structure, but we're running the top league now. We can handle it from here. And, and now who, they're, the biggest fine, they're the biggest money league in the world. And you know who one of the – what's really funny? Because um, there was a team that put out a big – a real big statement that I saw a lot of people sharing on Twitter – uh, social media about the UEFA Super League. Um, you know, one of the driving forces behind the organization of the Premier League was back in the early 90s. They were a huge power at the time. Educate them. Let us know. It was Everton. Everton oh. was a big power at the time. Was a, one of the big leaders in, in pushing the Premier League, helping get it organized. Everton releases the statement scalding and talking about how these owners are jealous or not jealous, but greedy and selfish. And had Everton been asked to join the super league, you think Everton was going to turn that thing down? Oh my gosh. No, they would be, they would be jumping on it so fast. The owners would, the owners would now the supporters. Yeah. We all put on a good face, but yeah, no, they would jump right on it. And UEFA, you know why UEFA was mad about all this thing with sky sports was so, uh, anti this whole thing you know why they were mad at, mad about it they weren't getting a cut mm-hmm. they weren't making money off of it they were mad sky sports was upset because they weren't going to broadcast it so they told all their all their uh pundits and everybody else on sky sports the company line is that this is bad and terrible for the sport mm-hmm. had sky sports gotten you know been announced as the official broadcast partner of the you know european super league you think they would have had all those negative things to say about the European Super League? No, it would have been, oh, this is going to be a momentous league with, you know, the best teams in Europe facing against each other every week. And we're going to have all the action for you right here on Sky Sports. Um, so it's everybody's got an agenda, man. Yeah, like it's no, go ahead. Continue. And then, yeah. And then, you know, moving on, I think, to just kind of watching, I will say, like, Okay, let's be honest. I've I've put in my two weeks at my job. I'm not working as hard as I could be. <laughs> um, what? I know, right? Um, so I spent a lot of time on Twitter uh, today. When these I, events I, happen too, it's like you kind of get lost in it, and you're just like, "There's oh so many God. good memes, so much good content, dude." You were on the Brian and Me Twitter account for I think the longest sustained period, maybe in the history of the podcast. Well, outside of matches, excuse me, you do tweet a lot during right. I, I'll credit tweet in the matches too. when you're uh, when you're tweeting, you know, for massive or for you know another another match. But yeah, I've uh, the meme just watching it unravel today was insane. I mean. And, and you know what's crazy? We've spent all this time talking about the Super League. It's crazy that uh, it overshadowed Tottenham firing Jose Mourinho on Monday. Jose's going to start. Uh, Jose's going to start um, bragging to people. 
So like, I, I, I am the only, I am the only Super League manager to get to get fired. How many times you get fired as Super League manager? I was he's, the only one, he, and he's, he's gonna, old, he's, he's gonna hold on only, to that. The only casualty of the uh, of the European Super League <laughs> Super is Jose League. Mourinho. But the, Ryan Mason comes in, he's like, well. I have to answer all the questions now. I'm the manager all of a sudden. And Ryan Mason. How could you be a manager? That's the worst time to become the manager, by the way. Isn't whenever everybody hates your team. And it's such a cool story, though. I'm really yeah, so hard medical, for the guy. Yeah. Well, he damn near died on the field. Yeah, that's With a frac- When he played for Hull, had a fractured skull on the field. And, you know, survived, has worked his tail off as a coach, has coached Tottenham's youth teams. And, you know, so it's a really cool and it And it's, I wish more people were talking. Cause I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I think it's a rooting, something that makes you until all this shit happened, makes you would make people want to root for Tottenham this weekend. But it really overshadowed. Yeah. The whole super league, there was no way that anything else was getting through nothing. at least in Europe and sports, nothing was getting through that. So you just kind of keep seeing things over the course of the day. I mean, obviously lots of people being upset, sharing, Uh, memes and sharing um, things that they've, you know, adding every official they could think of and adding players and adding teams. And, um, and then you started to see little hints today over the course of, I want to say it was around lunchtime and maybe I'm wrong. It was like right before two o'clock or so. Yeah. It depends on when you eat lunch. So everybody's lunch is different. If you're listening to central time probably was right at, you know, the traditional lunch. It was, it was like, at just afternoon just afternoon you started to hear i think originally you started to hear okay there's a club nobody knows who yet who is getting wet feet or getting cold feet not wet feet cold feet mm-hmm. wrong uh, wrong analogy there um they're wet and cold, cold depending on the weather i mean chicago had to postpone their match tomorrow because of snow so you know and it's and i think we're getting winter mix here tonight with mm. uh rain and snow supposedly Woof. um confirms why i've decided to move south um i get it i'm moving (laughs) but but you started to hear okay one team is kind of getting cold feet they may decide to back out we don't really know who it is yet and then um (laughs) in in the best uh social media reveal since uh and it came from rebecca rebecca vardy's account to be fair, I tweet, I texted that to you before that, tw- before I saw that tweet. So I did, I was like, and the, and it was Rebecca Vardy's account. <laughs> yeah. Or then it was, or it was Chelsea football club or something like that. No, I, I, I anyway, can continue. And Chelsea um, in a kind of face turn decides to be you know it was uh like an old school wrestling you know face turn they decide they're going to be the first team to uh uh kind of you know the hint they i don't think they were the first to release a statement but they were the first that was like okay chelsea is the one it kind of came out with all the 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 sources the guys some of the guys that are usually right not just some random dude with a player's avatar as his profile picture and a name with 12 numbers um (sighs) confirmed that uh that it was likely going to be Chelsea. And then, you know, you started hearing rumors. Okay. Well, Man City is, is getting concerned. And then uh, I think Arsenal jumped in there and yeah, it, it slowly, it, all of a sudden it was like watching something in, in slow motion or something. Like it was kind of cool to watch the, just the reactions start to pour in on, on social media. It was no, I, 
there was so many different funny things. I think there was European Super Leave was mm-hmm. a good one. Um, I, I I thought it was just it was just great. It was one of those positive moments where all the media content. It's kind of like during a big big sporting event when memes come out. There's always a memeable moment, like in the Super Bowl when you had the weekend looking through the like the light maze running through the hallway yeah that gif has gotten its uh it's gotten its wear i think on its tread but we were all obsessed with uh 30 to 50 feral hogs for like a day and a half yeah feral hogs had its its 15 seconds of fame i think on that one um no it it was it was huge and even now like it's hard to keep track because so many people are trying to break it and then you have those bless their hearts you have those soccer sites that an hour later they're like breaking news chelsea leaves the super league right bruh bruh i saw that an hour ago okay let's not say breaking news you, you really what everyone says is breaking news it's not breaking news you know if the first couple people break it that's breaking but anyway yeah even now stuff still comes out i mentioned a moment ago where a few moments ago where lebron james was put on a graphic with john henry as if lebron james was some big tactical mastermind and putting the super league together and they even leverage his experience of being in a closed system so since he plays professional basketball he has experience in the entirety of the closed system and the funny, the one thing, Pep Guardiola, as much as I can't stand the guy, it's mostly jealousy because of his winning fashion he's, sense. And the dude a, pulls off being bald. He pulls it off really he's, well. He's a good looking man. And he's, he's not a, a bad looking man. And he's a hell of a coach. Like, I mean, yeah, he's he's got a team that will buy him anybody he wants, but right. he's also but he, a hell of a coach. <laughs> right. And he came in and he uh, he said, you know, if there's no penalty for losing, then it's not sport. And I think all American fans were just kind of like, uh, like kind of yeah. shrug, like, okay. Have, have um, you watched baseball where there's no salary cap or floor? NBA, a global game or not. Now the NBA, they probably heard it more than like the NFL. I know the NFL is moving into Europe and they're trying to get a market, not talking about the NFL Europe, which was a bygone era in the NFL world. But um, yeah, it's, it was just kind of a mess. The whole thing was a mess. I, I don't even think that it helped him negotiate. I think FIFA and the head of FIFA, he came out in fa- in font. I forget. I can't do. It. I, I forget his name because I don't have it up in front of me. He talked about how they're gonna stop making a mistake and there's more money to be had. And he referenced some sort of seven point four billion dollar deal. Seeing all these numbers just made me feel kind of dirty. Just made me feel like, oh, I'm part of that. Like I'm part of putting yeah, that together. I mean, we, Us recording this podcast. We talk about the we sport, don't make right? Money. We, we talk about it. We give them free publicity. We we share this stuff. We tweet this stuff. I sense it. I didn't feel strongly during it. I didn't feel strongly because I was like, okay, we're being used. We're being we're a negotiation ploy. Right. You now we've been enabling this for some time now. Once it fell apart, that's when. I finally felt like, you know what? I can't really support Liverpool whenever they're owned by FSG. I can't, knowing that they were one of the four groups, four teams that really were the ones pushing this along. I can't, I already went into this season. I already went into this season upset at Liverpool. 
because they mistreat right. their women's team. They don't treat them with the same or even close to the same respect. They're making beach volleyball courts in their training center instead of allowing the women's team to be part of the training center. Their team gets relegated possibly unjustly. Their season got halted and they had to go down because that's where they were at at the certain point, even though they were turning a corner. Anyway, that's just my own making excuses. I was already mad at Liverpool. I was mad at the supporters groups too. I mentioned a while ago that I put this letter together. I wrote this letter. I worked on it with LFC Columbus. They were really supportive. I um, sent the letter out to different groups. I had one group with the nerve. I can't remember who it was. I'm trying to find the correspondence because I really, I, I felt a little salty today. And I felt a moment of weakness where I'm like, I'm going to see how they felt about this whole thing. But their response to me was that we can't tell them to support the women's game because that's telling them how to spend their money. And we shouldn't be telling them that. I want to see what that, what that fucking group said during the super league. I want to see what they tweeted out and I want to see how their song changes so quickly whenever it turns into something like this, where you can completely ignore a whole gender of players just because they don't have penises, you're not going to support them. Right. But whenever this happens, our moral high ground, oh, we're high. We're up here. We're so high. So let me ask, <laughs> so let, let's ask, let's pose this question to, the, to that group. Um, this summer, right, there are rumors that uh, Liverpool could be selling some players, could be selling Salah, there have been rumors about Mane's, you know, some other players, right? So are they going to say, well, FSG shouldn't sell Salah or Mane or whomever? So are they, are they going to tell them that, that they that they shouldn't spend their money, use their money to you know sell a player and make some money because they don't want to lose a Mane or a Salah or, you know, whomever? Yeah, they're probably going to be a little upset by that, right? So they're willing to tell them – they're willing to tell them how to spend their money when it comes to players on the men's side, buying and selling players – but they don't want to tell them how to spend their money to, you know, give the women a crumb, a a crumb. Like they don't give them a crumb. I just, I I went from, and I'm, I I was thinking about today when I was mowing the lawn, because whenever I go for a walk or a run or when I'm mowing the lawn, that's when I kind of do my best thinking. That's when I, my brain is clear and I'm focusing on one. I'm a shower thinker. I'm right through. Yeah. I can see that I've made, but like when I used to run a lot more, which I, I run zero right now. So it, anything is a lot more uh, mowing the lawn or walking. That's when my ideas come. Like I, I have a lot. I want to write about it. I think I might actually write something and put it on our website um, and just write about how I went from running a Liverpool supporters group, which ended right in January of 2020 to now completely kind of writing it off i went in just over a year and a half just around a year and a half i was like you know i i don't care anymore i i it it got sullied for me so quickly and and you saw my you saw my text and stuff during this whole super league i was i was in the middle i was like well i think both sides suck and i think this whole thing sucks and I'm kind of waiting to see what happens. But now that it's over, I'm just, I'm just angry. I'm just like, yeah, hey, you know what? I'm, I think I'm just going to be done. I think I'm just going to be done with the whole, with the whole thing. Well, so, but it's yeah, hard to, it's hard to blame you. You know, there's a, there's an old saying in, um, 
far left, we'll call it far left thinking, socialist, communist, Marxist, whatever you want to, I don't remember exactly who originated it, but they said that there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, right? Like there's no, you know, if you're, if you're a part of the system, you're a part of the system and, you know, consuming within that there's, there's no way to really ethically consume within that, within that system. Because it's about whoever's most successful moves on. If you're not successful, well, that sucks. You know, it's about, you know, how do you um, buy or sell or be involved in a system that's, you know, exploitative to, uh, to someone, right? You, you know, you go to the grocery store and there are people that are uh, underpaid, mistreated, forced to work during, during COVID, right? You go to, uh, you buy something from Amazon. Obviously, we've heard the reports of what's happened in those in you know in Amazon facilities and the working conditions there. You buy uh, Nike sneakers, and those are you know made by kids in sweatshops in third mm-hmm. world countries. I mean, there's no um, there's no way to ethically consume really much of anything. And how do you how do you square that? You know, how do we how do we square that with um, our beliefs, you know, that that's always a thing that I think about sometimes. It's like, how can, how can I be a, a fan of sports? You know, I love sports. I love, um, Same college here, yeah. sports. I mean, you know, how we, we have a sports podcast where we sit here and talk <laughs> about sports all day, but you know, ultimately sports are, are a business. Um, in America, you've got billionaire owners that rip off cities that if you know, hold cities hostage that mistreat, uh, employees that uh, you know mistreat female employees, employees of color. You've got a college football system that you know exploits free labor and makes billions. Yeah. Um, it's like how do you how do we square um, what we support financially with our our beliefs? And it's like I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the best thing you can do is. And this is some folks that we even follow for like finding local, local teams to support. And yeah. I'm not talking the Columbus crew because the MLS, <laughs> it's a closed system. If, if the MLS could make super leagues, the joke I was thinking in my head throughout all this was, man, how's Anthony Precourt going to get in on the super league? How's he going to turn Austin away? Don, Don Garber is uh, licking, right. his ch- licking his chops watching The best all this. thing you could do is maybe watching – teams that are in like we talk about the columbus eagles columbus eagles are a a very local team they don't pay their players amateur sports amateur sports is pretty much how you do it and not ncaa amateur sports because like you just said they get lots and lots of money that they don't give to the athletes well what about scholarships we're not talking about scholarships we know that is a very it's a small percentage compared to all the athletes who compete and all the money that gets brought in it's a drop in the bucket it's Maybe it's as I'm getting older because I was so I didn't care about the behind the scenes stuff. And maybe this is prior to social media, maybe before we had all of these outlets who really broke through these teams and we saw the inner workings of these teams, which we get a more we get more review now than we did when we were kids. Sports Illustrated Kids was not talking about how Michael Jordan had a severe gambling problem or how, you know, this player is doing this to their, you know, spouse. Like they didn't talk about that stuff. Right. But maybe as we're getting older, it's, it's harder for us when we especially talk about, we've gone through politics on the show and 
I think in a minute here, we're going to talk not about politics. That's more humanity, but we're going to talk about, um, we've talked about politics in the past. We've talked about those things. We just, maybe as we're getting older, it's hard to be like, okay, on one side, we need to treat people fairly. We need to do the right thing. We need to treat people with respect. But then on the sports side, kind of like everything up into the super league, I'm just going to look away. Right. I'll look away. And then I'll just be happy because this is, this is my escape. Since it's my escape, I need this because this is self-care. I yeah. need to be able to have this. But that's just a cop-out for not wanting to look behind the curtain when the curtain's open. We have great – like at The Athletic, there are great writers there who have exposed a ton of stuff. Oh, absolutely. And they expose it. I. It's to the point now where like I – I love the crew, but maybe I don't love the crew. Maybe I just love the people around it. I hate the league. I yeah. hate MLS. Um, yeah. But I, I, I'm supposed to love the team and hate the league. Like, even that's a cop out. Yeah. I, I, if I looked into the land that they now have downtown and the money they're going to make off the stadium, they can pick their points of talking, right? They can talk about, oh, well, ticket sales are down. So the team's not doing as well. But really, how much money are you making from owning that land? The value is skyrocketing. Yeah. We talk about, we've joked about this before. MLS is a Ponzi scheme. That's just a small example of what the Super League was and what so many different things are. So it's, it's hard to, maybe we're just getting sports consciences where we're finally to the point where like, maybe I shouldn't, maybe this isn't what I should be doing. Maybe I shouldn't be supporting this because it doesn't align with what I think. And at the same time, it's like, you know, am I going to, are we going to turn that into action? Are we going to stop? I, that, you know, and, and I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know the answer to that. Um, and it, but, you know, sp- kind of moving on, and there's no good way to segue um, to having this discussion, but, um, you know, as far as things that, that are you know, difficult to discuss and difficult to understand. Um, well, you texted me about this. And once you texted me that it was coming. And this is bad. Like we, my wife and I, we don't see much of the news. We don't watch anything on TV. That's not no. like a streaming show or anything like that, which is, it's privilege that I get to do that and that I can ignore the world right. around me. But sure. when you texted me today that this was happening, as much as I loved all the Super League content, anytime I saw anything soccer related, I was like, get the fuck off my feet. I don't want to see yeah. this right now. I need everything clear for what's about to happen next because this is still Tuesday. I know we've talked a long time. If you're still with us, God more power you. to you. More power to you. But we're going to keep talking because, again, this is our free therapy. But what happened after the Super League kind of crumbled around us and it went into much more important topics? Um, so, you know, every, everyone I'm sure remembers last, uh, I believe it was May of last year, right. uh, George Floyd was, and I can use this term and, and use it correctly. Now George Floyd was murdered, right. um, you know, in, in Minneapolis by a police officer, uh, Derek Chauvin, Chauvin, who cares? Chauvin, I think, yeah. Murderer, uh, murderer. Inmate number five, six, four, three, nine. Exactly. Um, you know, murdered in front of basically in front of a national audience. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I think just about everyone has, has seen the video. Um, if you haven't for the love of God, don't do that to yourself. But 
Um, if you've I've, watched any sporting event, if you've watched soccer for the last year, every time they kneel, it started yeah. from this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've seen, um, and obviously, you know, there have been other, um, other police, you know, murders and, and deaths and officers have, have killed other black people, um, young, old, male, female. Um, but the, you know, the, sorry, I'm having trouble getting this out. It's hard to talk about. Um, and I'll share my experience too. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I, I know the, what you mean. The verdict, um, the trial was ended um, yesterday. Um, jury deliberated, you know, came out um, kind of late this afternoon that, you know, the verdict was going to be read today. So kind of like you, I was, you know, I was at work. Um, I was working. I was refreshing um, CNN's website like every <laughs> every couple minutes and steadily refreshing my Twitter. And um, jury deliberated and found uh found Derek Chauvin guilty on all three counts um, of uh, murder two, third degree murder and uh, involuntary manslaughter. Like in the moment, what were you, what was your first feeling? Cause we were even texting before and you had mentioned that if he gets off, which all of us expected, I think everybody expected. Yeah, we I talked mean, about it last week on the podcast where I was mentioning the SNL sketch where it was, it was a sick, it was a sad joke. It was a sick joke, but it was realistic where, you know, uh, the black newscasters played by Keenan Thompson and Ego Nodim were, were like, yeah, this is horrible. This is wrong. He's not going to be found guilty. And it's just because that's just how people are. But this, what does you finish what you're saying? Then tell us what you were thinking as it happened like what was your first thought as it came through sorry to mean to interrupt you there um, no, no i've interrupted you a billion times on this show so please interrupt me whenever you need to especially when we're talking about stuff like this i think it was yeah i mean just thinking about what you just said there yeah i mean i think that was everybody's expectation right like there was a small part of me that i hope i'm wrong right i hope i'm wrong that he's um that he's going to be found guilty but you know i think our our, all of our gut reaction was, well, we've had a propensity to, to get this wrong so many times before. There's not mm-hmm. been, um, you know, there's not been accountability. I refuse to wor- use the word justice in this situation because there has not yeah. been justice. Nobody's uh, been made whole yeah. by this. There was accountability in this case. And the, that word matters to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it matters to a lot of people. Um, but yeah, my reaction at first was um, joy briefly. I was happy to hear that, um, to hear that at least in this case, accountability was going to happen. I was angry um, that, you know, obviously at what happened, um, George Floyd being murdered. Again, I can use that term now because it's not allegedly, it's not uh, supposedly, it's not an officer involved killing an officer involved shooting it was murder he's been found guilty in a court of law as is everyone's right um but yeah i mean it was you know reading people's reactions reading people um you know as a as a white male like this can only mean so much to me right these are not um my these are not people i know these are not you know i'm not a a black person that has to live um in fear 
mm-hmm. of you know walking down the street or driving my car down the road i'm not um you know when i ride the bus in the morning to and then walk to work i'm not worried that a police officer is gonna uh, pull over and accost me or try and kill me or think that I'm a suspect in a crime or accuse me of this or that. You know, I'm not worried about that because I'm not someone that has to deal with that. Yeah. Um, in seeing, I think the relief on you know people I know who I've interacted with on Twitter who are, who are black, who do deal with that and seeing that at least in this case, un- uh, you know, unlike a lot of the other situations that we've seen, there was accountability. There was um, there was punishment for for someone who who murdered another human being, a person in a position of power and a position of privilege who chose uh, to murder someone. Yeah, and it's kind of how I was when it happened. I was um, again after all this, this soccer stuff. I'm sitting there and I turned on MSNBC on my phone which the last time i watched the news was on january 6th and then the last time before that was probably on election night and right. the subsequent week afterwards so i was sitting there and I, I i was stressed out and i was looking at stuff on first i was refreshing twitter i was like yeah. okay someone's gonna tweet it someone's gonna tweet it because you told me 3 30 and 4 and then it got updated between 4 and 5 which is a horrible time frame to give people like you're close to being the cable company at that point. Uh, we'll give you the verdict within the next three hours. I was standing there refreshing my phone in the kitchen and then the MSNBC, I turned it on. They had this piece where they're talking to a guy who was painting outside of the courthouse, which is a pretty, uh, he said he's either painting heaven or hell depending wow. on what's happening and he's painting around, but it's abstract. And it was pretty, it was really interesting actually that it led right into the live footage. Cause they were trying to fill time. You could tell that they were like, okay, let's keep talking, keep it going, keep it going. Um, sure. Once it happened. Well, prior to turning that on, I was watching Twitter and the thing that resonated with me the most, and this is something that I guess I just didn't think about a lot was it like the guilty or not guilty the real justice would have been him being alive. Exactly. Would have been George Floyd being alive. And it just, when I read that, I was like, okay, well, the verdict matters, but also at the same time, it doesn't matter because it doesn't bring him back. Putting Derek Chauvin in prison for a long time, it doesn't bring anybody back from it does he deserve punishment yeah because he was convicted and that's what the court system tells us right even though even that's just a hypocrisy to accept it only whenever it goes the way that we think it should go which is right. part of the hypocrisy of it whenever it happened and he listed off guilty like i i just got really quiet i just got yeah. like even now like i can talk better now than i did when it happened like my son had just started crying before and I got pissed off because like, Oh my God, I've been waiting. And now I can't hear it. Eventually my, like my wife calmed him down and stuff. And like, I had to pick him up and I had to focus on something else. Cause I was just like, like tears were welling up and it wasn't like, Oh my gosh, this is great that it, he got a guilty plea. It was just like a whole year of culminating things, this stuff kind of happening. And it was, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was guilt 
because maybe I don't do enough to help out or maybe I don't do enough sure. to get my voice heard. Uh, tweeting stuff is not a, is not a great way to, to make change. It's not going to make big it's deals. Literally the least we could do. It's the least that you can do. I don't know if it was guilt that made me start to kind of well up or just that sure. for the first time, it seemed like it actually happened the way it was supposed to happen. Yeah. But you then you can talk to probably what 67 million different Americans who think otherwise, who think that, oh, that's that's a horrible thing that happened. How can he be guilty and all that stuff? But it was, it hit me. It it hit me pretty hard. And then I kind of, like I said, I live in this bubble where I don't see things. It wasn't even something that people in Columbus could be relieved about. Because, Brian, kind of tell everybody what happened 15 minutes before the sentence came down. Um, There was another um, police-involved killing. There was another police shot. called the police. This is a 15, 16-year-old girl who called the police herself because she was being threatened. Called the police, (sighs) um, had a knife out to defend herself, not not from the police, but from people that she was being attacked by um police showed up instead of um attempting to figure out what was going on try and de-escalate warning her to drop the knife nothing you know if you believe um witnesses you know at at the scene again you know this is this is secondhand accounts more will come out from this of course but people at the scene said the police the police showed up came out and started firing um, young um, black girl, uh, Makaya Bryant, was killed, took four shots to the chest, and was killed not, again, you said 15 minutes before the verdict came out. They, and it's, you know, it's one of those things. Alyssa and I were talking about it on the ride home because um, that news hadn't come out yet. I hadn't seen that. And we were talking about, you know, having hope, right? That maybe, this this incident could it give some people hope that maybe things are headed in the right direction right like we've had um at least in this situation he didn't walk right there was some accountability um he's going to be punished you know there's the hope that maybe this leads people in, in the position of power to do things about it to to you know make changes to the way policing is done and then and then you see that Right. And then you see, and then it's just like, I don't know, man, like what, what do you like? What can't like the system, the it's a system, like it's an entire system that's that. And I don't want to hear that the system is broken. The system is working as designed by, by people who, don't feel that you know the lives of non straight white males are worth as much as the lives of, of straight white males yeah. um, whether that's you know in this situation it's you know police officers killing you know regardless of age black men black women black I mean this girl's a child she's she's 15 years old you had Adam Toledo 13 year old boy who was killed with his hands in the air. 
Um, Dante Wright then being being shot and killed because he he got pulled over for what was it registration issue and yeah. an air freshener like that. <laughs> and it's like you know I don't want to hear that the system's <clears throat> broken and needs to be. Uh, you know, it's just a few bad apples, right? It's just a few bad guys, and everybody else is is doing really well now. The system's working; it's designed. And in Columbus, the, just just a few days ago, an Ohio State party happened where they were flipping cars, and there was property damage and all that good stuff. There's no like, where are the police to that? They're not the going poli- in and shutting stuff down. They're going the pol- to protests, and they're shooting rubber bullets, and they're shooting um, tear, gas. tear gas into people. Uh, it, and, and and one of the things I saw that came up from this is that n- after this guilty verdict, this is something that police officers around the country feel. And I forget who it was maybe from like FOP or something like that, Fraternal Order of Police. They're like, oh, the way that police do their jobs is now on trial. And we're like, good, good. <laughs> good. If this is um, acceptable, if the people that kill, that kill all of these black kids or black people or anybody – who they're you're not supposed to be the judge jury and executioner your job is right okay arrest people if you think that they're doing something wrong you arrest them and they go through the judicial system during the judicial system at least at the end of judicial system people don't get killed people don't get shot and killed derek chauvin got a trial right derek chauvin committed murder he got a trial dylan roof who shot up a you know black church in south carolina got a trial Kyle Rittenhouse, who we got went applauded. Into, yeah, got applauded, has has become a a celebrity of the right wing. Walked up to the police with a gun in his hand, told the police, "Yes, I shot people," and he was arrested without issue. If that had been a, a black man that walked up with a gun in his hand, he'd be dead. Yeah. Um, and anyone that argues against that is is being disingenuous and. Fuck them. Um, but it's, it's, you know, I don't know what to do. You know, it's, we saw, you know, to kind of bring the two things we talked about to, uh, to, together to an extent, right? We saw what collective action potentially can do, right? We've seen all these people, um, you know, tweet these things and take to the streets and, um people that hate each other yeah people I mean, that online will attack each other relentlessly and bring up every bad thing that's ever happened in their past or bring up that okay. stuff and now we can't even get behind the idea that people get killed and that's wrong that we and, can't get enough people and and you and i as you said earlier you know feeling guilt that we haven't done more that uh, you know it's like yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel the same thing. It's like, I haven't been out there. I haven't been, um, you know, trying to, you know, use my, you know, I come from a, I, we're both, again, white, straight, white males, right? We have, mm-hmm. we have privilege. Oh, for sure. Um, that's, in, that's inarguable at this point. Um, we haven't used, we haven't done enough. We haven't been out there, um, you know, marching with people. We haven't been, you know, putting pressure on elected officials. Hey, you know, you need to come in and make changes to the system. The system needs to be, it, it needs to be torn from the ground up and replaced, but 
if you're not going to do that, let's at least put something into action here to try and, and make the system, uh, even if it's a little bit better, it's something. It might can save some lives. Um, but, you know, if, if there can be this kind of groundswell and these people can do these things to save something as ultimately, um, to use a better term, useless, as a, as a football club, as a soccer club, as a sporting, as something related to sports, why do we not have that same collective action when it comes to something that's very literally life or death for a lot of people? It's it kind of goes back to our conversation where we talked about being able to skip over the moral identity of the people who are in power within the world of sport and how the same thing happens outside of sport. The same thing happens with the police in our area where we will be really upset about this. And then everybody will move on. Yep. And everybody will, will, will move forward with what they're doing and what their things are. It's just, uh, maybe it's just having the, uh, it's hard to know. There's nothing to say. Maybe that's the best way to do it. Is there yeah. nothing to say about the situation? Because I, I talk is really cheap. Words. Uh, there's a phrase that I use a lot from uh, Game of Thrones. They said words are wind. Right? Like you can say literally anything, but all you're doing is pushing air out of your mouth and making a sound. I, I mean maybe something we start with the teams that we support like the crew, the crew have the Columbus. And this isn't the first time the Columbus police have done this this year. No, they, they no, shot somebody in their own garage this year and killed. There somebody was a, already. there was a, a graphic that went around about police um, related killings this year. Chicago led the way Columbus, I believe was fourth on the list nationally. And that should frighten because Columbus is the home, and we've had Jeremy Holland on the show multiple times. Columbus is the home of many, many immigrant communities, many areas that are in the areas where people like Michaela get killed by police, where the people who pay their taxes, the people who are paying for the police are the ones being shot and killed by the police. And we live in a very diverse city. Now, Columbus, if you're from outside of the area, especially if you're in the Chicago area, if you still listen to us again, bless your heart if you listen, especially this long into the episode. Now, Columbus is a smaller city compared to some of the big cities in the country, but it's an extremely diverse city. And we have multiple police issues, multiple police items. And even there's a video going around having confirmed kind of the accuracy of it even a police officer yelling that blue lives matter after michaela gets shot and killed well there's a you know you look at not to to talk about columbus but obviously there was another a killing of a of a young black man in minnesota um this past this past week and what was the first thing that that local police department did they put up the blue line put up the blue, blue, line, flag. blue line the blue line flag you've got um, again, you mentioned there's a there's a large immigrant population, a large refugee population here in Columbus. These are not immigrants and refugees from uh, Norway or Sweden or you know 
Hungary or, you know, mid 1900s white, white refugee or right. white these immigrants are, that people, you know, these are, these are people of color. These are people from, um, you know, from Somalia. Somalia. There's, there's a large yeah. Somali population here. There's a large, um, there's an art uh, Nepalese population. I was say Nepalese. In my areas there's, over alone, there's a large Indian population. My neighbor, like I, I grew up in a school that had 450 kids graduate, maybe like five kids were, were black out of 450 people. I grew up in, a, in an area like that where it was just, I lived in the suburbs of, or well, not sub. I live in the residential area of Northeast Ohio in the Canton area. So I was far away from Canton. I was in a rich suburb where my parents lived on the edge of town. They, their whole philosophy was live on the, cheapest part of the nicest part of town <laughs> so go to the cheapest area in the best school district you can find which is what they did i went to a public school but it was a nice public school here living here in columbus where i live i live on the east side um in black lake so it's kind of on the edge of columbus right before basically, you get to farm country it's basically west virginia oh, thank you for that i appreciate that it's not as far as west virginia it's close but even that my kids going to school they go to school with they have more diversity in one class than I had throughout my entire time as a student. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm super fortunate to live in an area like Columbus where we have that sort of diversity, where we can talk to somebody who works at an immigrant (laughs) support center because not every city has that. Not every city has that sort of support. There's a reason Columbus has such a large population of people from different countries is because they have family who move here and they want the opportunity and they move here also and they contribute. There's so many stores and shops that are owned by people from other countries in this area, in the area that I live. And it's, it's great that my kids grow up and they think it's just, it's just normal. Yeah. But at the same time, we're also in a city where disproportionately people get killed by the police more than almost anywhere else for a city its size. And it, and maybe it is starting with the teams. Maybe it's something where we reach out to the crew. And I I've seen people tweet about this. If you have Columbus police at the game, you need to stop having them at the game. If you need to hire other security, hire other security, but you don't have police at the game. Don't bring them there because those are contracts. Those are, that's money going to them. We're already paying taxes. We don't need our ticket money to also go towards the police. And need to, like you said, pressuring politicians all Ohio. <sighs> Politically, the state is fucked because outside of Columbus and Akron and Cleveland and Cincinnati, it's farm for days. It's rural for days. It's conservative for days. And it's so heavily gerrymandered. Oh my God, it's sickening. We, we get so upset, especially during like the four Trump years, right? And we're, we're way into politics now. So whatever, <laughs> it's, it's life. In, in the Trump years, there's so much fear and so much this and that, and it hasn't gone away. Like it's still here, getting a new president and getting all that. It doesn't change anything if your local politicians are still doing horrible things or if they're still ignoring things are going on this is how bad ohio politics is if you're from outside the state there's somebody who is responsible for laundering i think it was billions might be millions a lot of money more money than i will ever see collectively in my entire life he was caught in a 
laundering scheme to get nuclear power plants extra benefits and money. Larry Householder. He wasn't expelled from his position. He wasn't expelled from being a, uh, a state representative. He still is a state representative. It's to the point where it's so heavily gerrymandered and so many politicians are in certain parties that there's not enough votes to get him out. There's not enough votes to even get out somebody who stole millions of dollars from this people of Ohio. And their, got- and their co-workers are just like, okay, kind of like us with sports, right? Look the other way. Just look away. I mean, you've got Jim Jordan, who oh. I, have to, I have to use the word allegedly, allegedly uh, covered up students being sexually Sexual assaulted um, as a coach at, at Ohio State University. As a wrestling who, coach. And now he's been a notorious um, right-hand man to the worst of the worst when it comes to people in the conservative party fighting against every, every day, every week, it seems like there's a video where somebody's showing Jim Jordan fighting a lawyer against legal practice or a doctor against how, how we're handling a pandemic. He's, he's just out there to yell at people. It's just, man, it, it, it seems all bad, but I think, even having maybe the conversations or getting these conversations outside of a two person podcast, but talking to other people and getting the conversation out there and motivating people to do more. Something has to, something has to change. I know it's really coming from us to very privileged white dudes. It's kind of hard to take in and I completely get it. Yeah. I completely understand what your philosophy is on it, but this is just the two of us talking through it. This is the way we feel it's healthy to discuss these things that are happening around us and other stuff. We said, we're going to talk about other stuff. The crew had a draw Chicago red stars lost. There's the other segment, Brian, what are you kind of taking from everything that happened today? What are your, where's your mind kind of at in the next things that you want to do or the next steps that you want to do? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. I, I don't know, but I wanted, I need, I, 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 as a person, again, coming from a place of, of privilege of, um, you know, of means, you know, I have, I have the ability financially to, to support, you know, organizations. I have the ability to, um, you know, at the very least, right. Be involved, contact, uh, contact, politicians contact my representatives my senators um to contact local city officials and and you know local again you know we need to be putting pressure on on our mayor here in columbus on you know local city council people like they are in a position to um they can't change the system nationally but they can try and do something to make it better here so, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do or what I can do yet, but I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to do something. Um, I, I'm in the same spot. I think it's doing something. Maybe it's, like you said, being part of a protest, calling. Don't just send a tweet. Call your representative's office. Call whoever is responsible for your district and kind of give them a piece of your mind, give them that 
give them maybe that different perspective. Um, and also just making the conversation easier to have with other people. I think as it's so easy to talk about sports and it was so easy whenever we talk about the whole super league and we can get behind that. We can talk about that. This should be something that we can easily talk about without feeling awkwardness, without feeling like, Oh, this is, this, these things are taboo. We need to be able to talk about that. And we need to have the courage to call things out when we see them in person. Um, You know, if you, if you see something, say something, do something about it. I mean, um, you know, there's been, uh, you know, violence against Asian, Asian folks, you know, in our community and communities all over the country. Um, if you see someone, you know, uh, having an issue, having, you know, being discriminated against, being uh, abused, you know, say something, do something. Um, you know, we, again, we we've all we're all guilty to an extent because we're all a part of the system like we're all a part of a system that has failed um and killed people of color um trans people gay people you know the lgbtq plus folks like we've we've all been a we're a part of a system that's failed and has abused and killed so many of those people and you know we have to do something because and again it's really easy for us to sit here on a podcast and and say that right oh i have to do something um but we have to <laughs> like you know like and ultimately keeping, ultimately keeping us accountable and keeping you accountable we're responsible like we're a part of the system that, yeah. that, that creates this yeah i i know what you're saying so why don't we why don't we kind of wrap things up for tonight i think that um for me at least talking about it with you brian was beneficial i'm glad that we both still um we both still were able to meet up and, and talk about it and yeah bring maybe light to situations where sports wise maybe focusing less on that and focusing how we can help even just those around us and if you know if you're if you're somebody out there that's listening to this that that has been involved that has done some things um let us know like let us know how you know what we can give us Uh, you know again it's not other people's jobs to tell us how to use our privilege but if you if you're comfortable with that and you you know of ways where where we can help Mm let us know like you know you don't have to do it publicly you can certainly um feel free to you know dm or you know whatever the case may be if you know something's going on um you know let us know let us know give us give us things we can do to help not just not just tweet not just you know sit around and hey i should do something and you know feel bad about the situation but get out there and uh, you know do what you can um if you can so let us know. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Um, you know, there's no good note, way to segue it. So I guess just. You know. um, so you know, again, thanks everybody for for listening to us. Hopefully, um, you know, you listen to us talk about it. Maybe helped you, you know, work through something or think about something, or um, you know, hopefully helped at least a little bit. I know I feel a little better, um, you know, to the extent that I can, but. 
um, you know, definitely, you know, you can interact with us on social media. We're at uh, Bryant and me on Twitter. Um, we're also at Bryant and me on Instagram. I know Thomas, you mentioned something going on on Instagram. You wanted to mention. Yeah, we've got a new content czar who's going to be making some shorter clips of our shows, stuff that we can share all around the internets. Also going to be putting our episodes on YouTube. So there's some folks who maybe you liked listening on YouTube. You can put it on your computer in the background while you're working. You can do that now too, because we have somebody who's going to be doing a lot of our content for us off of Twitter. Sorry, you're still going to have to hear our crappy content on Twitter. That's Brian myself putting that stuff out there. But everything you see on Instagram pretty soon is going to be from our content czar or um, Bam Fam intern. I haven't come up with a catchy like name for it. It took me a year and a half to think of Bam Fam. So by the time I think of something, though, he'll probably be well on his way to more um, rich and enriching endeavors. But look out for some stuff like that coming up here soon. I'm really excited for it. I think it's cool to, um, again, we don't care if anybody listens to our podcast, but it's cool to kind of see maybe how far it can reach with a little more engagement on the internets. And um, maybe if people hear small segments of our show, they'll want to hear larger segments of our show. He's already flattered us by saying that the things we tweet are really funny, which um, he's a salesman, but also we're not paying for it. So, um, (laughs) so I guess he's, um, I don't know how to put that. I don't know where I was going. I start sentences and I don't know where it's ending. I'm kind of like Michael Scott um, in the episode of the office where he's, in the uh in the actual headquarters but anyway our content czar is going to be sending some stuff out on the instagram is going to create some uh content content excuse me feel free to share it feel free to use it um tell your friends about the show and um honestly we we usually don't have as many heavy hitting episodes as this one but with kind of the news of the day and the news of what's going on around us in the city it's it's bittersweet stress the bitter part because yep. people's lives are at stake and people's lives are being lost all around us. And um, yeah, I'm not going to say that future episodes will be lighter hearted because um, these are things that impact our lives. And that's just what the show's about. And if you don't like it, start your own fucking podcast. There it is. Um, you know, just want to say again, you know, please you know, share it tell your friends about it, your family about it. We always appreciate that. And, you know, if you're out, um, whether you're in Columbus or in any other city, if you're out um, at a protest or out, um, you know, making your voice heard, please um, be careful. Please be safe. Mask up. Yeah. Mask up for the love of God. Our cases are spiking again. Um, Please look out for, um, you know, your, your friends and your allies that are out there with you. Um, you listen know, to people of color who are in charge listen to folks who are organizing it it's not about you it's not right. about posting it on Instagram it's not about posting it on Twitter and getting engagement from it go out there and make your voice heard and don't turn it into a piece of internet content 100% couldn't have said that better myself um, on that note again please take care of yourselves please take care of your mental health as always otherwise have a good week Adios. Bye, y'all.